You are listening to 353rd. I'm Anders Brownlee. And I'm Scott Barstow. Scott, how are things? Things are great. Anders, today is our 10th show. 10th episode, that's right. Not that we're looking back, but 10 episodes is a, is a mile marker. That's good. right. Who'd have thunk it? And thanks to all our listeners for hanging with us. Um, we decided to switch things up a little bit and mention uh, how you find us. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes. Just search for 353rd or 350 space THRD. And on Twitter, we're 353rd. Uh, so give us a, uh, give us a tweet and uh, check us out on iTunes. Don't forget to comment. Tell your friends, etc., etc. And uh, yeah, with that, let's jump into uh, to Rewind. We've had a bunch of things happen this past uh, week, so it probably makes sense to, to talk about them. Uh, specifically, the, the iPad. Uh, there was this uh, report, I, I guess you probably, I think I sent it to you last week, a search engine land report about this, this Comscore thing that said, iPad hits account for 97% of the U.S. tablet traffic. This is basically saying, uh, I don't want an iPad. I don't want a tablet. I want an iPad. What are your yes. thoughts? Well, we talked about this last week when uh, when we were talking about the, the study that or the article about um, the fact that people are not buying these other tablets. And they're, when people think tablet, they're really thinking iPad. And the this Comscore report really uh, just underscores the fact that that's you know most people are not buying whether it's the you know Samsung Tab or the BlackBerry thing or the HP Slate or whatever these things are. Um, what's 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 really happening is that people have uh, gravitated to the standard. We we touched on it lightly last week, but why why don't people want? Uh, you know, tablets. Why? Why do they want iPads? I mean, you know, is there in fact no latent demand for a a tablet device, or is it just that the iPad is kind of so way far ahead that nobody else cares and nothing else matters? Well, I think it's. You know? I think it's. Yeah, I think it's two things. It's a better device, um, and I think it's. They had a big head start. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a lot of it. And I think that <clears throat> I, I read something this morning where Android devices are being added to the network at the clip of 500,000 a day. Jeez. Um, and so I think you know, eventually we're going to start to see this statistic level out uh, just because of the sheer numbers um, of, of Android devices. Although, you know, they're not – at least right now, they're not really that much cheaper yeah, uh, if at all, I think the Galaxy Tab, for instance, is right around right around five hundred bucks, and you can get an iPad for right around five hundred bucks. So, um, so, the, so to change the tables, it's got to be price, and it's got to be what the App Store. It's got to be like, I mean, I, Android has an App Store. They know. do, they do, and it's it's there's as many apps in there, if not more, than an Apple, I believe. But it's yeah. you know, but they don't have you know it's not. We've talked about this before. They don't have kind of the grooming process to call out the yeah. It's not the quality. Yeah, and so yeah. I think the, uh, I think I think for them to get the to get back the market share, in my mind, it's got to be they've got to compete on price first to get huh. to get back in the game. But yeah, that's just me. I I don't I I have both devices. I've got a Galaxy Tab and I have a an iPad, and I would just the user experience right now is is no comparison. Yeah. So, yeah. so interesting. Yep. So uh, you were telling me about how Microsoft is uh, relaunching their uh, cloud office products. This is a, 
this is an interesting uh, <laughs> direction for them because we had talked about this before. We had talked about the fact that Microsoft should really just kind of go whole hog into this, just convert the whole office suite to be online. So That's what's right. their strategy? Well, I think the so they you know when we talked about this before, we of course said that you know they've tried to go down this road and they just haven't had a lot of success. So this week they uh, there was a there was a press release about uh, them I think rebranding it and retooling it a bit, and it came out as this product called Office three sixty five. Okay, and so if I look at the if I look at the feature list, um, let's go through it really quick. So I get email, calendar, and contacts. Yeah. I get online document viewing and editing. I get uh, I get access with a mobile device. I get form uh, file formatting back and forth from my desktop to my to the to the cloud. Sounding, I get to sh- sounding suspiciously like something I know. Yeah, that's uh, wait. It gets better. Okay. Uh, sharing documents. Um, I can create my own public website, like a one page website. Novel. Um, I can get instant messaging, presence, uh, all those kinds of things, and I can share. Uh, I can share my desktop. I don't know what this means. They've got this thing called Link Online. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but that uh, sounds like something probably nobody would care about. Yeah. And uh, and then they've got antivirus stuff in there as well. <laughs> so so that sounds suspiciously, of course, like the Google Apps offering, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. And so here's the here's the big difference: is Microsoft is charging six dollars a user for that service. Six dollars a user per month. Per month. That's brutal. Yep. So, so if I'm a, wow. a, and conversely, Google Apps, of course, is free uh, for up to 50 users. Yeah, that, that's just a. Uh, did they look at the market before? I mean, obviously, because they're kind of building a a web uh, product, they must have looked at the market. But I mean, yeah, there's didn't? no. That, yeah, I, I would have thought something that I thought would have made sense here would would be for them to say, uh, maybe not go all the way up to under 50, but maybe you say under 10. Uh-huh. Uh, is free or under twenty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, get them in the door first. Yeah, you get them in, and lots of people are used to using Microsoft desktop products, yeah. right? So they're they're used to using Word, they're used to using Excel, and they, I think there'd be a lot of users that would gravitate that way um, if it were if it were a free offering. So well, if, here, I'm, well, here, if I'm, yeah, if I'm starting if I'm starting a company and I've got the choice between free and free, yeah, that's a lot different than the. So if I've got if you and me and three other guys, yeah, you know. It's a big difference in the beginning between free and thirty bucks a month. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna spend six dollars per user per month. So, so I I, I will grant you that. Uh, I'm trying to be the contrarian here. I'll grant you that it seems to be a just a just dead out of the gate uh, with that. However, I I could imagine that you could put together a property that would be worth six bucks a month for 10 users or more or, or whatever the lower limit is. Mm-hmm. If it were, this is the big thing with, with uh, Google Docs, uh, Google Apps in general, they're not well designed. It's not, Agreed. it's a, it's a UI issue. It's yeah, like the best thing I can say is why is Dropbox so popular? Yep. Right. Because it's so simple. It, 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 it syncs your stuff. Well, what yeah. about calendars? We could do this. We could do that. No, no, no. We don't do that. We just sync your stuff. Real yep. simple. You put it in this thing, it's synced. That's it. If they, if if Microsoft were to get out there and do something that was just head and shoulders better, a better product than what Google has, and I don't care if it's like a like a you know some kind of a shared space that you can save on your your desktop 
Microsoft Word and have it show up in the in the cloud Microsoft Word or is it or is it something that just the entire suite is just extremely well streamlined I just think there's a lot of other places outside of price that they have to uh, compete on uh, but obviously the biggest one the big the big thing in the room right now is price I mean I don't know how you get out of the gate without lifting that at least a little bit yeah, I think so too, and I think your point's a good one. I think there's a there is an opportunity. The Google Docs stuff is good because it's free, and you can put up with some of the things that you wouldn't put up with if you were paying for it. Yeah, and I think these guys maybe that's their approach. Maybe, the, and I haven't used it, uh, so I don't know if it's really that much better. And yeah. um, and but if it is, let's say because Word for. You know, for whatever we might think of, Microsoft is pro- is a much better kind of desktop publishing environment than than Google Docs, unquestionably. And so, if if they were able to replicate that without all of the, you know, they give you the core fifty features that everybody uses, and they do it as well as they did it in the desktop version, you they might have something. And maybe that's what they've done. It, it just struck me that, you know, why not why not make a splash by offering it for free for the next year? Totally. They've got I, yeah. They've they've got the money. They got oodles of cash. Right. They've got no problems, you know, supporting that. They're bleeding right now anyway. Yeah. So why not why not say, look, your first, you know, your first year's free or just just make it free and then at some point they come back around and say, Oh, yeah, we're gonna start charging for this. Yeah. Um and and you know, if you're over ten users, you're gonna pay, you know, start it trying to scale it up. Maybe you pay three dollars a month if you're over ten and you know, whatever whatever it is, but kind of ease people back into it. Yeah. It's strange that you wouldn't with so many people moving away from from the desktop in general and then moving away from Microsoft products in particular, it just seems strange that they wouldn't just say, you know, we we know we need to make a splash. We think our products are better. Let's compete head to head, price for price until until we start seeing, you know, the user yeah. traffic, and then let's, you know, we, maybe we start adding some premium features and charging for that. Or there's a number of ways to go about it. Yeah, uh, it just seems like a strange thing to do. But um, what do we know, right? So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're not asking <laughs> us. I don't know why the phone isn't ringing. Um, yeah. We we skipped this last time, uh, and and we keep trying to skip it, but it keeps roaring its its ugly head. Uh, and this is Groupon. There's a Seeking Alpha article hypothesizing that Groupon may expire sooner than uh, than everybody expected. First of all, first of all, everybody's expecting Groupon to be to to lose it. I mean, yeah. to go belly up. I the, nobody's questioning that. That's yeah, not I, what it is. They, it has you know, it's this booms web van or something like that. Yeah, it's, gonna, or, it's yeah, yeah it's, pets come. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's. <laughs> It just has that it has that feel about it, and I thought there was a couple of points in the article I thought that were really good. And by the way, when we reference articles, we do do our best to post them on the website um, so that you guys, so our listeners can can read them. That's three fifty dash third dot com. Um, so you can look in the show notes and see the articles that we talk about. But I thought it was interesting. This guy brought up first of all, he was a party. He, he talks about um, his experience at Commerce One. Which mm-hmm. was a part of the last boom, and uh, and just the the kind of fever pitch that things had, and uh, and the and the business model not really making sense, and but nobody really seemed to care at the time at Commerce One. It was like, well, we'll make it up on volume, and it'll be transaction volume, and and then 
um, you know, he, he talks about him laying this out for a good friend of his and his friend says, yes, but you know, the cost, the, what you're able to charge per transaction will inevitably go down as mm -hmm. other people jump into the market. And right. I think, and so he kind of closes out the article with that, with that being the reason, you know, they're adding, they're spending wads of cash. Yeah. They, they ran a huge deficit. I think it's $500 million def, deficit or something like that. And they're hiring people like crazy and the infrastructure is going nuts. And, um, and I thought he made an interesting point in particular about uh, why they might have turned down the Google offer. Yeah. And so he talks about in the article, uh, this guy, um, what's his name? Uh, R.D. Gupta wrote the article. Yeah. And he talks about the fact that his hypothesis is that Google's uh, criteria for the earnout for the, for the stakeholders in the company was were targets that they did not feel like they could hit. Mm -hmm. And so, th therefore, they said no. Mm. And, and so, anyway, I thought it was a really good, uh, you know, kind of look at where they're headed potentially because you see all of – they've got all of these copycats already, whether it's Living Social or these, yeah. other, these other companies that are doing the same thing, kind of me too – and all that all it takes is enough of them to drive, you know, if they're making 40% today and they're making 25% this time next year and they're making 10% this time the year after that, they're going to have serious problems. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Now, I think I think the the root of my problem with Groupon is the fact that they've shown no ability to save at scale. Their their customer acquisition cost does not go down when they scale. Right, and, and, and that's, that's and that's where all this money's being spent that's is to the hire key. up personnel. Yeah, right. So if you're going to, you take a, an, an idea that's losing money in the beginning, and then you scale it up, but you have a way to to you know spend less per customer, then scaling it up makes sense. Exactly. But in this case, I see them just scaling for the sake of scaling. And, 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 and I think the other problem they've got is that they're starting to get – I don't know if you read the series of articles on TechCrunch. I think it was last week or the week before. Um, they did a kind of a profile of two or three merchants that yeah. had just been pounded by Groupon. Um, you know, they mm. thought they went into it thinking it was a, you know, a great deal and they ended up just losing a pile of money. And not only that, but you're not building – Groupon, for the most part, is not building loyalty. Yeah, it's, you there's know, no it's, residual customer. Yeah, it's I hit you when you, you know, I'll go to your, I'll, I'll go eat at your restaurant when you give me forty percent off. Yeah, or give me, you know, twenty bucks free for twenty for spending twenty bucks. But will I go back there if I got to pay full price? And I think what most people are saying is no. Not only that, not only that, but they're not paying. People stop paying attention. Yeah. Because you've got all of these things. You've got Living Social. You've got Groupon. You've got these other companies that are in this space. And it's just at some point, it's, you know, how many deals do I really care about per day? Yeah. I, I yeah. You know, my, my absolute top max might be one. Yes. And I doubt that. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, you if, know, I'm, if I'm looking to do something – yeah, I might, you know, or I, oh, oh yeah, I did always want to go, you know, skydiving. So sure. that's kind of cool. But I mean, I, you know, I follow Groupon for Raleigh on Twitter and I would say it's one in every 14 days that something actually pops up that I care about. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And then, and so then that's one every 14 days, something comes up that I care about. It's probably one in every two months that I might do something with. Right. So one in four you do something with and then, 
but but still, I mean, you know, in terms of numbers, that could be. I mean, I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is why do people still care? Is this not the most obvious thing in the world? Like, why why are people still considering an investment in Groupon? Be- I don't know because it just seems so obvious. I mean. Yeah, you just have many numbers, uh, you know, of people, and and you know, there must be a way to to turn that into cash. I, I, mean, think, that, I, I think that's a lot of it. Yeah, but yes. I mean, look at look at uh, uh, TiVo. You know, it was a great product. Yeah. Tons and tons of people using it. Yeah. Terrible in terms of uh, in terms of an investment. So agreed. I don't get it. Anyway, yeah. So let's move on. That's enough of the that's enough of the Groupon craziness. I just think it's. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch those guys. It uh, is. It is. It's. I just don't see. I think a year from now, nobody's going to care. Yeah. You think it's? You think it'd be that long, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, we're yeah, talking I, about I, it now, so yeah. That's right. We'll yeah, come back to it. The, the 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 grave will be covered with dirt. That's right. So in uh, in episode uh, sixty two. That's uh, right. We'll do a, a recap. Yeah, what's what'll be of course now. what's what's been interesting to follow is that a lot of the uh you know a lot of the guys at the top have already made you know they've already sold a ton of stock. Yeah. And have made a ton of money. That and is the bellwether right there. Yeah, exactly. So if you're in it for the long term, you're not dumping stock, you know, at the first IPO or whatever. Yeah. It's just not happening. You're you're riding that, you know, you're riding it up. And yeah. I think, you know, they all I remember reading the I think the CEO sold like Thirty million dollars worth of stock, or something like that, as soon as he could. Yeah, and so I just you Not know, a good what, sign. What's, what's that guy got to care about now? Yeah, true. really. Well, how much does he have? I mean, thirty million maybe it 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 certainly is a bellwether, but it may be a drop in the bucket. I, I don't know. I haven't really looked. That close. Uh, yeah, I haven't either. But yeah, so nonetheless, it's not a good sign. That no, you're certainly not. Selling, so yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. Talking about Groupon, and we're leaving the we're leaving the subject, but you have the 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 next hot thing, right? So you've got you've got uh, this mass of people that are just kind of following the deals or whatever. It's kind of like the the in thing, right? Yeah. Well, the in thing, you could argue, you know, sort of started maybe with GeoCities or Angel Fire, and then went to GeoCities, and then went to MySpace, and then is sort of now at Facebook and maybe parts of it are, are over to Twitter. I don't know if, I don't know if that's a actual next step, but the, the question is, is, is Facebook on the same path as MySpace? Discuss. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think the statistics are there at 750 million users now. Yeah. And I, I've never really been able to glean of those 750 million, how many are active, uh-huh. but, but still, it's just a staggering number. It is. Uh, it is. But I mean, what, what, I, mean, I, I don't think GeoCities or MySpace, none of those guys approached anything close to that kind of, um, mind share. That's, it, that's definitely true. And so I think the, the difference for me is, uh, at least for now, and I think it'll be interesting to see the Facebook IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think they can't get there fast enough right now. Um, I think if I were at Facebook, I would be trying to make that happen tomorrow. I totally agree. Because if what I, I think you're obviously prognosticating that you know at some point it will go the other direction, and I think it's it's probably when I think about this stuff, I I sort of think it's inevitable because there's always going to be the next you know hot girl that walks by or whatever. Sure, boom and that, bust. 
Yeah, that everybody's going to go and have a look at, and oh, well, this is kind of the next. This is the next cool thing. But the, I just it's it's a staggering amount of of users that they've got. That's for sure. No, it definitely is. And and uh, you know, I, I'm assuming you probably saw the Google Circles thing or the Google uh, Google yep. Plus or whatever yep. they're calling it. Who knows? Um, th- th- I thought that was very interesting. It's got a lot of kind of both positive and negative buzz right now. Initially out of the gate, a lot of positive, but then everybody's saying, no, 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 this is, uh, you know, who, who goes to their, uh, you know, utility store, their electric company. Uh, you know, everybody sees Google as a, as a utility. Who goes to their, their electric company, you know, to kind of hang out? You don't. Google's not a destination. It's kind of a jumping off point. But on the other hand, I will say of the this uh, uh, social uh, network that Google is trying to start here. Uh, it is interesting in the fact that they, we, t- we were talking last time about how, I don't know if it was last time or time before, about how on Facebook you friend or unfriend somebody, and on Twitter you follow or don't follow, and the nomenclature is is effectively the only difference here, but it is a very strong difference. With Google... Yes. What they're doing is they're, they're enabling you to create as many of those as you want. So you can include somebody in, in uh, you know, close friends, a uh, close friend circle, or you can include somebody in a, eh, you know, people I'm kind of following. They don't follow me. They don't know me, whatever. I'm just kind of yep. following them. You know, this is much more of a Twitter thing. So this is pretty much, if you look at Facebook and Twitter as either ends of a spectrum, what Google's offering, I think, is the whole spectrum, or at least they're trying to do that. I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten the invite, so I don't know exactly what it is. Right. Um, but that's what I've gleaned. What do you think? Uh, well, I think with regard to this, I think that if anybody's going to take them on, I think it's somebody like Google. And here's why I think Google makes it interesting, because if you look at the number of Gmail users and the fact and how often you're in your Gmail interface in a day, yeah. Um, so even not taking away, t- setting aside the mobile experience, but just if you're sitting at your desktop, what's the application you've probably got open on a tab all day? Guaranteed, guaranteed at least two versions of Gmail. I've got my personal yes. and my business. Exactly. And so f- for that reason, it's a, yeah. it's j- you're a captive audience at that point. And so I've been using this uh, plugin called Reportive. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which allows you anytime you get an email, it will basically build a, a kind of a uh, it tells you everything about the person you got the email from across all the social networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can I can see you know I can see them on I can see their profile on LinkedIn I can and I get to see all this information right in the sidebar of Gmail. Really, for every email, I get a fantastic plugin. Interesting. And then I can, if you if you authorize the application for Facebook and LinkedIn and all that stuff, now I can write from my Gmail interface. I can say, if they're, if they're if I'm not following following them on Twitter, I can say follow. I never leave my mail interface. Interesting. Is this a browser plugin? Yeah, it's a browser plugin. So it's like, fant- it, yeah, it's fantastic. We talking and, so, uh, Safari, Chrome, yeah, Firefox, sports, what? Yeah, supports all of them. Excellent. And. And so I think for that reason, and so what I've stopped having to do is, okay, so if I get an email from you, I can see your last six or seven tweets right in my browser. Huh. Um, I can see your, if I want to, I can see your LinkedIn profile. I never have to leave that mail interface. And I think mail is still the hub of activity primarily. Yeah. And so for that reason, I think Circles is really interesting. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I'd agree. I, you know, I, I think uh, uh, Circles is um, uh, trying to capitalize on that. Well, first of all, what's the name of that thing again? It's called Reportive. R-A-P-P-O-R-T-I-V-E. Cool. I have to look that up. Very interesting. I, I think. I mean, they're 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 obviously holding a piece of that, but not all of the. You know, it doesn't sound like they're they're holding every every piece of what they're certainly not doing the other social networks like like uh, you know LinkedIn or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, no. I, so so I suppose the argument against Google being a uh, utility is Gmail. Um, right. <laughs> I'm in it all the time, and I'm popping up calendars. I'm doing my calendar in there as well, and. You know, when I'm not sitting in front of my browser, I basically have an exchange link on my iPhone that, that, you know, pops back to Gmail and, you know, I, it pushes mail to me and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, you know, they, I, they're already, they're already way plugged in. Um, I'm never at a browser without a, without a Gmail tab open. Nope. Um, And I think that's why, uh, and, and I think for most people, their personal mail is with Gmail right now. Yeah. And so if you get the, if you can somehow figure out a way to leverage that, and I think that's probably where this is headed, but like you, I haven't gotten an invite yet. Yeah. Um, I think that could, so if I can, within that context, see all kinds of other information um, and, you know, maybe treat mail differently based on circles and things like that. Have, yeah mail rules and have that be a really integrated experience. And I think that's what Facebook's going for, I would presume, with, yeah. you know, you're moving your mail to them. However, I would never consider doing that. Yeah, agreed. So, well, um, well why not? Let me ask you that. Why, why not to Facebook? Um, you know, I just don't, I, I don't trust them yeah. in their kind of shifting privacy uh, stuff, the way that they seem to change it without really letting you know. Yeah. Um, and I've never, it may happen with Google, but I've never gotten that sense. I, it's, there's, I just have a sense that they're right now and it's not because of all their, you know, evil bull crap. It's just, you don't ever, uh, I, you know, their privacy policy is what it is and it really hasn't changed at least with regard to mail. Yeah. Um, and so I guess for me, I don't, I don't, keep track enough and I think most people don't keep track enough of your of what's going on with Facebook's use you know user agreement who's got to, the time yeah and so you just pres- uh, I don't presume the same amount of trust with them as I do with with Google yeah you know it's funny you know certainly uh, Facebook has moved that needle because back in the day I remember worrying about how much data I was giving Google in searches I was doing and, and Gmail and all this sort of thing. I don't worry about that at all anymore. I don't I mean, either. Have I been, you know, lulled into a false sense of security? You know, maybe. But but with Facebook, I mean, you know, all, the gloves are off. So everything yeah. else just pales in comparison. I, like, happily give my latitude to uh, Google. Um, you know, on my, my Nexus One I'm toting around, it's, it's reporting back my exact location and I'm pulling it down on a server, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's actually worse than, uh, than Facebook. But anyway, maybe, you know, whatever, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Google is, uh, headed toward an antitrust, uh, uh, inquiry or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on that topic. Oh, I've started you. <laughs> Oh, there's been a start. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so talk to me about Google's antitrust. <laughs> so this just this just smacks of the same thing that Microsoft went through in the '90s, when they were the dominant force in the market, and 
uh, and there's a, I, I just, so I've got a couple of problems with this. One, the government, in my mind, has no business being involved in this kind of thing. Google, if somebody comes along with a better mousetrap, yeah. people will go and use it. And, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft has tried to come, you know, they try to combat this with Bing. It's just, you know, it's not there yet. It doesn't mean it won't get there. So what's really got me burnt up about this is that we're wasting money. Um, so what if Google is somewhat anti-competitive? When you're that big, you almost have to be. Uh-huh. Uh, because there's there's just, you know, you are when you're the dominant force in any market, you have, you, you've got a big hammer to swing. And I'm sure they swing it. So I'm sure they do things that are anti-competitive, right? Yeah. I, I have no doubt that they do. And I'm sure that they, you know, this, com- this complaint is primarily about them jiggering search results to favor uh, their properties. Uh-huh. And, and I'm sure they do that. Yeah. I mean, I have no doubt. Yeah. But the question in my mind is why, do, why should anyone care, number one? And then number two, why do we have a Senate antitrust committee burning daylight hours worrying about Google, which is a, you know, how many billion dollar company when we've got a trillion dollar deficit every year. Yeah. You know, why are, don't they have better things to worry about? <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like the Senate worrying about baseball. Yeah. Gosh, it makes me mad. Yeah. First of all, I think it's I, certainly, uh, you know, as a Google investor, I'm happy to see that it, it is the, the ra- search rankings are taken so seriously they can be considered a an anti-competitive thing. Yep, uh, th- that's great because I remember back, uh, you know, ten fifteen years ago, before all of this, you know, we're just kind of the net was. I think at the time we had Alta Vista, that was like the most unbelievable thing that had ever come out, and you yeah. can see all the sites that link to your site and like do all this really amazing stuff, and it was horrible search results compared to uh, what Google eventually came out with and certainly what they have today. But nobody cared. And I, you know, nobody cared about the net. And I remember walking through New York trying to trying to drum up business and sell people on this whole internet thing. And nobody, nobody cared. I mean, and then I then I went to Silicon Valley, I show up in um, 98 or 99, I think, whatever it was. And Goodness me, all of the billboards had web addresses on them. That blew me away. Never seen right. that before. Yeah. And, and was, it was very, very uh, satisfying. Was, I was like, well, finally, these people get it. Like, you, you don't exist unless you are online. So now to see sort of the, the I guess this could be considered the, the gross other end of that uh, spectrum, in a sense, it is kind of nice. Because finally... Yes, this does matter. We've been saying this for for you know fifteen years at least, and and you know it's nice to see a little bit of validation there. However, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm you know as an investor, of course, I'm not interested in in uh, government kind of jumping in this early because it doesn't seem to me that this is a a disastrously uh, you know certainly not like uh, back in the industrial revolution time you know like the Rockefeller thing. And it's a different, it's a different playing field. People are not, you know, having working in squalor conditions, you know, the other thing is that I don't have to go, uh, you know, I don't have to build a cross country railroood to compete. Right. Right. If I, if I, if, well, you do, you do have a big capital, you know, expenditure, but I mean, well, sure. But I think, I guess my point is that if, 
if and the, the other thing that bothers me about it is that Microsoft is kind of back there saying, yeah, yeah, yeah right. go after them. <laughs> That's true. You know? And yeah. so as for, for them of all people to be anywhere involved in this, knowing that how badly they were burned uh, worldwide by the antitrust lawsuits and all the penalties they had to pay. They want to get their other side of it. They, I they, guess. Maybe they feel like they've got, it com- they've got it coming to them or something. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, moving on, let's, let's talk about, uh, uh, shares post and, and second market, this, um, uh, the deal with, uh, with Facebook shares. And I think this is interesting. First of all, Facebook is a private company. Twitter's a private company. LinkedIn used to be a private company. You could buy, and you can right now buy shares of private companies on private exchanges, Begs the, you know, but but I, I can go to Fidelity and buy public shares of LinkedIn right now if I want, and then I can go on to to uh, sites like Shares Post and Second Market and actually buy shares of Facebook and and Twitter and other private companies at this point. Begs the begs the question, you know, what really is the difference here? I mean, uh, clearly there is a, a very big regulatory difference here. And you can't get into uh, some Facebook shares unless you, you, you prove that you've got it, at least a significant amount of money. I, I forget what it is, but it's something like a million bucks. And you have to, uh, you know, your minimum order would be about $100,000 and, and this kind of thing. But you can still effectively, ga- you know, gauge a price for Facebook shares by looking at the private market. And right. it's, it's almost as liquid. I mean, almost, not quite. It's not in, within reach of the any day average investor, but it's really not all that far off. So what's the big difference here? Yeah, you know? well, I think the, the main difference is, I think the primary, so I think there are two differences. One is um, barriers to entry, which is primarily the amount of money that you need to pony up to get in the game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I can open a Schwab account and be, and, put a few hundred dollars in and I can trade in the public markets. Is that really? I, I thought it was like 5k or so. No, it, wow. no, it's not, it's not 5k, but it's not, it's not a hundred dollars either. I don't know how no, much it's it like is, a thousand or something. I mean, yeah, it might be a thousand, Yeah, but nonetheless, that's a lot, that's a lot less money than a million dollars. Sure. Um, so I think that's the, I think that's one difference. I think the other is, as you said, it's unregulated currently. And although, you know, I'm not sure how much regular, you know, how much difference regulatory bodies really make, um, you know, when you can fleece the entire um, American public for billions of dollars and really not pay for it, I would, I would, uh, as happened in 2008, um, when really all most of the brokerage houses got off scot-free and got bailed out for making horrendous decisions Um, and, and at all points, there were, you know, bodies around that whole thing that were supposed to not let that happen. Whether it was Moody's or, you know, whoever it is, these rating agencies. Yeah, sleep at the um, switch. Yeah, yeah, they just. Well, I think they probably chose to turn the other way. Yeah, right. Because they were paid to. You got to look exactly. at who their customer is. Yep. And so with yeah. So in that way, I almost think this is almost more pure to me because yeah. it's it's like it's it's more of a speculator's. Uh, kind of play because you really don't know. You don't know what the financials are really, um, and so you're kind of buying. It's, it feels like kind of the, you know, 
1890s gold rush kind of thing or something yeah. like that where you're you know somebody somebody comes back you know takes the train back from the west coast and says you know there's gold in those hills and you and they give you a certificate that says hey you know here you just bought a thousand dollars worth of gold or whatever it is yeah, some mining and, company shares yeah some mining company shares and you don't know whether that's worth anything or not probably not um, worth the paper it's printed on right <laughs> but uh so in that way i think it's you know I think that it's a it's a definitely a blurred line between uh, between public and private now with the, with having this secondary market where you can uh, where you can buy private company shares. I think it's it'd be interesting to see how where this goes because it's yeah. really just come on in the last year or two. Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see that you know if if there's some kind of a what 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 interests me I guess is some kind of a group that gets together and satisfies the minimum requirements. And then allows any old Joe to come along and put a hundred bucks in and get yep. you know a share or two of this or that. Yep, I think that'd be I think that'd That's, be a cool thing. Yeah, it'd be uh, like a like a like a mini hedge fund, like a micro hedge fund almost. Yeah, or you you know you and I start up a brokerage firm. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, we for, start we and we and we you know we raise money to and start buying shares and then turn around and sell it to you know people that invest in our fund or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely will be. Anyway, so moving right along, Amnesia Lane, do the right thing. Check it out. Now, this was your pick from last week, and I got to admit, you know, the only thing I remembered of this movie was the the fight thing at the end. Yeah, and that's that's the, mo- that's the most memorable scene, of course. It is. Uh, I, you I know, mean, I, the whole thing just explodes at the end. But um, but yeah. So, good so movie. tell me about it. Tell, tell me about it. You, have you have you done the uh, the basic review? Was this nineteen eighty nine? It's a 1989 film directed by Spike Lee, and this was really, uh, I think he had a couple of movies before this, but this was the movie for him. Yeah. Uh, He won an Academy Award for it, and I've always been a big Spike Lee fan. I really liked uh, He Got Game. It's one of my my favorite movies. (laughs) Uh, There are some of them that I didn't. Uh, I didn't really care for, but as a general rule, I liked, I like him as a kind of a provocateur. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's, he's obviously very intelligent. And this movie in particular for me, I remember watching it and uh, I, you know, I grew up in a kind of an isolated upstate New York kind of environment and, and not exposed to a lot of that kind of culture. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching this movie and thinking, holy crap, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, this, this, this place is, it's like a freaking powder keg. Bedford Stuyvesant, you know, (laughs) right in your living room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really liked, you know, this movie starts off with, uh, you know, you got uh, Rosie Perez doing the dance and the, with to public enemies do the right thing. I mean, it just smacks you in the mouth from the the minute it comes on the screen. And (laughs) I got to say that dance is everything that was wrong between of the transition from the eighties to the (laughs) nineties. Uh, <laughs> it was just like I, I couldn't believe it. I, I did not remember that at all. I mean, I didn't either. I didn't either. But I, zero. Yeah, I remember the song. I remember yeah, yeah, sure. M- MTV. I remember the video for for Fight the Power. I remember all yeah, of that. Yeah. And uh, you know these New York guys just you know intense. Yeah. Today's Int- weather. Ha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, great movie though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Um, so I, I had a couple of so. A couple of comments about this. First of all, it didn't seem that people were as fat back then as they are now. 
Like, I think you're right. I just got that overall. I, there didn't seem to be anybody really overweight in this film. And I think, you know, on average, we, we are much more overweight. Uh, and that sort of stuck out at me, which, which was weird, you know? Yeah. That's a weird thing to stick yeah. out. Yeah, and the other thing that stuck out is how come pizza is a buck fifty? Yeah, with extra What's cheese, with two dollars. What is? How can I get one of those slices? That sounds good to me. You know? Yeah. So, so you got you got Mookie, uh, of course, played by Spike Lee, and you know Spike Lee was probably at that time was as famous for being Mars Blackman <laughs> in the Nike commercials uh, for with Michael Jordan as he was for being a film producer. Uh-huh. Our film director, and I don't know if you remember those commercials, but they were just fantastic Vaguely. commercials yeah. um, with uh, with he and Michael Jordan. But so you know, you got Mookie, who's this pizza delivery guy, and you got Sal's famous American or F- Sal's Pizzeria. You know, this guy, this Italian American, operating his pizzeria in a predominantly black neighborhood, and uh, and just I, the thing that I remembered after watching it this week was. The uh, what I thought was great about this movie is that the tension just slowly starts to build. Yeah, uh-huh. throughout did the that well. throughout the entire movie, you yeah. get you know it starts out it's this weather it's hot everybody's sweaty yeah and and irritable and so you got that going on uh, as kind of the backdrop for all of the for all of the drama that happens in this movie and you've got you know people getting pissed off because it's hot and then you know so. It just takes that little bit to set somebody off, mm-hmm. and you just get, you just start to get tastes of it as the movie goes along. Whether it's, um, you know, Radio Rahim walks into the pizzeria with uh, th- this guy's my favorite character in the movie. Really, favorite character in the movie. Okay, and so he walks in the first time he walks in, with, you know, with his boombox, and you know, uh, Sal is telling him to turn it off, and he's yelling at him, and everybody's sweating. And, you know, the pizzeria, the air conditioning's not working. And so everybody's, you know, these guys are in there slinging pizza. This guy walks in with this music just blasting. Yeah. Tells him to shut it off. And eventually he shuts it off and orders a piece of pizza. Yeah. Um, and so, and that is, you know, sort of the harbinger for the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he comes back in, you know, doing the same exact thing at the end of the movie. And, Doesn't turn it off. And won't turn it off. Yeah. And because bugging out, which is just a great character name, this guy, I love the names. Yeah, this, this, guy, names yeah, this awesome. guy bugging out is is convinced that Sal should have pictures of black people on the wall because it's in a predominantly black neighborhood. Yeah, and all Sal has is Italian, you know, Italian it's, it's, legends. Sinatra, yeah, you know. Sinatra and Joe DiMaggio, and, yeah, you know, Rocky Marciano, and, yeah, and so bugging out just won't have it. He's yeah. not hearing it. And so he, he organizes this protest and they're going to boycott the pizza store and he gets, you know, he gets Radio Rahim all cranked up about it. Yeah. And so they go in there, you know, together and, and sort of kicks off that final scene you were talking about. Now that, that scene is very interesting because you see they were closed, they open it back up, a bunch of people come in and then you, you, you hit, you hear like fight the power starts. They turn around and not coming in the door. But already in the door, like they just appeared there. Yes, is, is and what's, what's interesting is, uh, you know, they, as you said, they're closed. He reopens the store, and you know, Sal says when he's opening the door, he says, "These people love my pizza. Let them in." Right. You know, very friendly. Wants yep. to, you know, just uh, and then, 
like you said, it, you know, the scene cuts to those guys at the table and then you hear the music and it cut back and those guys are standing at the door. Yeah, they're 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 already in. I mean, yep. they didn't they didn't come in. They just yep. like appeared there. I liked that how they did that. Yeah. So I always thought that uh, um, Mookie was going to be the peacemaker yep. because he's yep. he's the guy working, you know, with the white guys. Yeah, uh, and, and he's got a financial interest in in the whole does. thing, and so you know he's, and I like the 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 tension between him and Sal's son. Was it Pino? Yeah, uh, uh, who's just a punk. Vito and, and Pino. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Vito, his friend. Yeah, who's who's a uh, you know Sal's son as well, but is but uh, likes him and they get along, and so you've got that whole interesting thing happening there as well. And, but yeah, I agree with you. I remember the first time seeing this, I was like, okay, when's Mookie going to jump in and get yeah. these guys to calm down? Yeah. And he just stands there, stands there. And then not only stands there, but he, he turns around and throws a pail through the window of his employer. Um, some people are, so this is what makes this movie controversial. This, this whole scene. Yep. Um, the, you know, I, my, my, it's open for argument, but I, w- I would say his motivation – people have said that his motivation for throwing the pail through the window was to redirect the crowd from killing Sal to just destroying the property. Interesting. And I, 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 can, I can buy that though. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. So this was – I remember this time when – uh, at this time, you know, 1989, 1990, there, it seemed like every two months there was a story from some major city yeah. of white cops, you know, abusing yeah. and, and or murdering black people. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was happening all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and then you fast forward, of course, three years after this, you get the Rodney King riots yeah. uh, in L.A. that have a very similar flavor to what happens, obviously, in a very small context here. But, you know, you've got every uh, you've got riots, you've got people burning, uh, you know, stores to the ground. And um, and so it's a it's interesting. I, I had never heard that before, that yeah. that was that 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 might have been the motivation. I always thought it was just he wanted to he just joined in. Yeah, That's how yeah. I took it. Well, so so which so I always liked his character, uh, but the but by far my favorite character in this film was Demayer, <laughs> because first of all he's this bum or whatever, and he he starts out being you know this drunk guy on the side of the street, and I would argue he was the only one who did the right thing because there he is. Pale gets thrown through the window. Everybody's breaking stuff. They're going to burn the store to the ground. Everybody's, you know, it's big uproar. And what is the mayor doing? Yeah, He's he gets taking Sal out, Sal out of it and protecting. Yeah. That's got to be the most, the, the, I mean, nobody wants to do That's the most unpopular thing in the world at this point is to be harboring Sal and his crew. Yeah. But that's what he's doing. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, he was the, like this drunkard. And, you know, as he progressed through the film, he did more and more selfless things. Yeah, the, remember, he saves the he saves the kid that's about to get hit by the car. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then the, he, he brings um, mother's mother's a mother's mother sister. Yeah, she says, why do that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, to me, he was he was the most interesting. He's the most redeeming character in the film, the most interesting one at the end because Mookie I feel like he fell over on his on his you know really his responsibility to do the right thing which would 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're at the end of the film, there's the uh, juxtaposition of the quotes of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Malcolm yep. X advocating violence in this situation and King not. And you could say that that, that kind of follows, you know, what DeMayer did and what, uh, what Mookie did. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's still, it's, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, I, I, here's the deal. I grew up, uh, just outside of New York city. I, um, you know, to me, this was never a deal. Uh, I, I had, I had black friends, I had white friends, I had Asian friends or whatever. It never, I, it never occurred to my mind that there, that I, that there might be some people who might not be okay with this or something like that. So right. to me, and especially when I look back at, say, for example, Barack Obama's uh, uh, presidency, I, it, to me, I mean, it was it was nice, and I would see lots of people there, all you know, cheering and all, and saying, you know, oh, finally. But for me, this is not my generation's problem. This seems Agreed. to be previous generations' problem, and previous generations, if you, you know, if you follow that. Previous generations, sort of cherry on top of the whipped cream on top of the, you know, ice cream sundae or whatever it is, uh, you know, a, a necessary piece you might say, but just not part of my, uh, you know, thing. I, it was never a problem for me, so I never, you know, it, it's hard to kind of celebrate. Where I can look back and say, you know, this is this is wrong and this is right, but that's about it. I don't really have a vested interest, so it's. It's maybe, you know, maybe I'm the wrong person to be, uh, you know, kind of summarizing Mookie and DeMayer and all that. But, you know, whatever. I think it's a a solid uh, look back at it. And I think think you're right. I think for probably our parents' generation, um, this this issue was very real um, as they were coming of age. And, and, you know, our parents lived through – the you know the 60s when you know stuff you know people were getting lynched and all this just sure. wretched stuff happening sure and you know in our lifetime at least you know since we've uh we've been conscious been, been old enough to care about it <laughs> yeah. anyway um it's just it's never it really hasn't been happening and uh but i thought you know they did a i thought spike lee did a good job of capturing you know the tension of that was going on in that time of law enforcement and just the the rampant abuse that was happening. Yeah, and and I think you don't see that for the most part. You don't see that anymore in large part because not because of this movie, but because of the things that were happening. You know that were kind of the theme of this movie. Yeah, um, and I think the you know mayors or whomever started to clean things up. And I'm not naive enough to think it doesn't happen anymore, of course. Sure. But, but it's uh, the other thing that I thought was was um, pretty interesting in this movie. I didn't know this, and uh, but you got Martin Lawrence in this movie. Yes, uh, that's right. Who, nobody knew who he was that's at that right. time at all. He's like unbilled too, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's I saw just him a guy. Credits. He's yeah. just a guy. Yeah, that's uh, right. You know, just a just a guy that's walking around on the street, and yeah. he's he's a nobody. And of course, he blows up, and the he turns out to be something pretty famous. Sure. And um, but yeah, yeah I, I thought I really I really liked the last scene uh, in the movie where there you got Mookie and Sal standing outside the burnt building, and Mookie, you know, mm. just you you can't imagine. I couldn't when I saw this, I was like, how does he have the nerve to go up and ask to be paid? Yes, agreed. You know, 
how, how could he possibly have the stones to walk up and say, <laughs> you owe me money after yeah. he, you know, after he contributes to burning the place to the ground. Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, Sal says, okay, I'm going to pay you. Yeah. Uh, I, that was foreign to me. I, I, I didn't get that. Cause I, I just don't, it Sal, just didn't register. Yeah. Agreed. He's, he's, he's like, he's, he's the one building the bridges. He's the one you know, interested in the, in the, the people and, and, you know, ma- making his business go. And now, okay, so he's going to get a check because his place was burned to the ground. But he basically said, you know what? I don't care. That's not the point. I built right. every, t- I put every tile on the floor. I painted all the walls. I put every, fu- every knob on the door yeah. or whatever, like that. He, he was invested and he was yep. invested in the community and, you know, yep. in that building and in the community. So, I mean, he liked, he liked, uh, uh, Somebody, so I forget who, which character Mookie's, he liked. Mookie's sister. Mookie's sister. Yeah, I forget her name. Yeah, I don't um, remember either. But uh, anyway, yeah. So yeah, I thought the other, the other, uh, just to close this out, I thought the other interesting sort of thread in this movie was the the Asian grocer across yes. the street. Uh huh. Um, and you've got the the three the three old black guys that are they kind of cut to every now and then, then they're just sitting there talking about everything. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, you've got the one guy that says. You know, you black people are always talking about, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, yeah. you know, the Asians show up and just do it. And then and so you've kind of got that stuff going through throughout the movie and you've got the tension of, you know, the uh, I think it's um, Radio Rahim walking in and oh, yeah, he goes in to buy batteries. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, and, you know, he's mocking the – I think they're Koreans, but I don't, I don't think – I don't remember if they ever said for sure. Yeah. He's mocking their English – and so you've got, you know, that tension. And again, I, I kept thinking about the Rodney King riots in light of that whole thing because uh-huh. that was a huge deal in L.A. Remember they yeah. when the, you know, the Asian store owners were, you know, up sitting up on their roofs with guns sure. uh, to protect their store. And so you had that whole element. And, you know, that wasn't even in anybody's social conscience when this movie was made. And then at the end. Yeah, that's an interesting I, point. Uh, when they burn the when they burn the store down and they and the whole mob comes across the Korean grocer and the guy says no 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 I'm one of you yes right right and 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 the guy's like what you're not you know you're not black and yeah you know but I'm one of you like and then you he know. says no yes I am yeah <laughs> yeah and, and did you catch it also he put his hand out to you know to shake his hand the other yeah. guy's hand yeah and he didn't shake it nope it's like what what are you doing I mean. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's yeah. a movie. <laughs> exactly. So talking about movies. So next week, uh, next time for Amnesia Lane, we are we're going to uh, talk about the film Gross Point Blank with uh, John Cusack, John and Joan Cusack. Uh, this this film, I'll just say really briefly, was the one that made me a John Cusack movie fan, not a John Cusack fan. Uh, from from the uh, sort of coming of age movies of the '90s, which uh, '80s, which were which were great, a lot of fun. But this made me a Cusack fan, and yeah. uh, uh, you know you gotta you gotta check it out this next week because we'll be talking about it uh, in next week's podcast, episode 11. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening, and we will be back. <laughs>